You are listening to the Next Best Picture podcast, and this is our review of Zombieland Double Tap. <laughs> Sorry, just you in that chair. I think it would have made a damn fine president. You would have brought a real dignity to the office. You're welcome, America. Welcome to Zombieland. Life is about more than just survival. We were a family. Dysfunctional, sure, but what family isn't? Merry Christmas! What would you like, little girl? I'd really like for you to stop calling me little girl. But do you know what I would like? I don't give a shit what you do. It felt so good to be on the move again. Oh! oh my god, I'm so sorry. Hi, I'm Columbus. Madison. This is Tallahassee. Hey, Paul Blart. Is this your dad? Oh, whoopsie. I forgot the seatbelt rule. Oh, so she knows the rules? I told her just a few of them. 73, and are there more? You're cute. I like it. My sister is gone. She picked up a boy. He's from Berkeley. Berkeley! You don't have weed, do you? <laughs> do I look like the type of person that would have weed? I'm sorry. Boom! Yeah! I have nothing against hippies. I just want to beat the shit out of them. We're gonna go get her. We ride it, Dawn. Start talking. You first. Well, my name's Tallahassee. Is it me, or does, does he kind of remind you of... I don't, I don't like you. At all. I think you double parked. <laughs> or more perpendicular parked. Hope we don't get a ticket. What is going on here? What? Hello, everyone. Am I hallucinating? All right, everyone. You were just listening to the trailer for Zombieland Double Tap, and the story is as follows. Zombie slayers Tallahassee, Columbus, Wichita, and Little Rock square off against the newly evolved undead. The film is starring Woody Harrelson, Jesse Eisenberg, Abigail Breslin, Emma Stone, Rosario Dawson, Zoe Dutch, and Luke Wilson. It is directed by Ruben Flesher, and it is written by Rhett Reese. Paul Wernick and Dave Callahan joining me for this podcast review. I have a returning guest, Kobe Mack. Hey, 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 how we doing? Hey, Kobe. Listen, man, we had so much fun uh, the last time that you were here on the show. Wanted to bring you back for this, not to mention... Uh, no one from my team apparently saw this except for me. <laughs> so... <laughs> There's that. Uh, you know, this was kind of slim pickings this week in terms of major releases. Uh, we had two sequels with this and Maleficent, uh, Mistress of Evil. But I figured, you know what? It's Halloween month. You know, why not go with the zombie film for the podcast review, right? Yeah, not a lot of not a lot of other like Halloween type films in this month of October. So, yeah, let's take no, it. No, like where where is Saw 13 when you need it, you know? No. I mean, <laughs> you, you would think, what, what do we have last year? There was like a, uh, a deadly like carnival. It's it like a play on Halloween Horror Nights. 
But oh, Fright Fest was that Fright what it was Fest? called? That was last year, right? I, I believe so. If my memory serves me correctly, I don't know what's happening with like October this year. But like nobody said, oh, we need to have. I'll, I'll tell you what's happening. I'll tell you what's happening. Horror is evolving, and they're making good shit like Midsummer and a couple of other movies like that. Us, you know what yeah. I mean? Yeah, us exactly. Like horror is, you know, horror's getting up there. You know. Like, I, I ain't got time for this, you know, entry-level, B-level horror shit, you know? <laughs> it's been a great renaissance. I'm glad that we got it because it's uh, – I think, like, with this film, there's a lot to bite into, even with something as straightforward as Zombieland. So yeah. I'm excited for the talk. Well, you know, this is more comedy than horror anyway. Comedy True. action, if yeah. anything. And, you know, the the original Zombieland uh, came out a decade ago, 2009. It was Ruben Fleischer's uh, directorial debut actually and i was a fan i really liked it i don't like it as much as say something like Shaun of the dead but i had a good time with the original film uh what were uh, your thoughts on it when it originally came out so i got a lot of flack on twitter because i've never seen zombie land till two months ago wow yeah i don't know what it was or what i was doing in 2009 um I don't know, struggling. <laughs> I was a starving actor in LA. And um, I think I think I just missed the wave. And I kind of regret it because actually I've never shared my thoughts on Zombieland since I watched it two months ago. Um, but I will say, and, and maybe even just like with other films, I, I think if you miss the wave on certain films, especially with genre films, you can almost miss the thing that makes it special. I will say luckily though with Zombieland, I think I still appreciated what a lot of the fondness of what that film was like i mean of all the zombie films Shaun of the dead is still like close to the tops for me dawn of the dead you know stuff like that um but with the first zombie land like it's how do i put this it was fun but i don't think it was trying to do anything more than just be fun and i think i was cool with that yeah i agree if i remember correctly too it was also coming out a year before the walking dead premiered on amc and you know, just as far as like, you know, zombies uh, were concerned within like our current culture, it's like, you know, this just felt like something fresh and new, in all honesty. And the thing that I kept coming back to with Zombieland was it was very, very digestible, no pun intended. Um, <laughs> it was less than 90 minutes long. It was, was like it was like 88 quick. minutes. Yeah. It flew by. It was stylishly directed, you know, opening up with Metallica's For Whom the Bell Tolls. I mean, over during the opening credits, yeah. uh, all that slow motion with all the uh, gore and everything. And then, you know, you're introduced to these characters who are very, you know, quirky and defined uh, based on their personality traits and brought to life by these wonderful actors here. Uh, Woody Harrelson having, you know, maybe some of the most fun Woody Harrelson has ever had on screen with a character before. Um, Jesse Eisenberg just playing like this absolute like neurotic (laughs) Um, even more caricature of Jesse Eisenberg, I'd say. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> and you know, this is pre uh, pre social network as well. And Emma Stone, who honestly at that time was nowhere near the name that she is now. Abigail Breslin was coming off of an Oscar nomination for Little Miss Sunshine. Uh, she was still kind of like getting a couple of roles here and there. I mean, there was just something about that movie that just felt very fresh. You know, it was, and I and I think that with this one. This felt a lot like getting the band back together, but it almost didn't even feel like 10 years to me. 
Okay, so now, like, this is where I, you know, come into conflict with this. Um, you know, a lot of people were talking about, like, uh, El Camino recently, the Breaking Bad uh, movie on Netflix and how it's, like, an unnecessary sequel. I thought this was a pretty unnecessary sequel. And I say this because it's been 10 years. And what I just really, really do not like about uh, this whole story, ultimately, is how... It's been 10 years in real life, but I don't think it's been that much time in uh, Zombieland universe's time. And, yeah, you know, there, there's a couple of things that just I, I if this had come out, like, say, three or four years after the original film, I think I would be a lot more accepting of it. Yep. But the fact that it's been 10 years and it feels like a very, very similar movie, like it doesn't feel different it, it almost reminds me of the hangover part two oh, and how they rehashed all the same ideas and all the same jokes from the original film that's what Zombieland double tap is like for me it just feels like they didn't have any new ideas and the best parts of this movie are some of the new ideas but everything else that's a complete uh repeat from the first film even the opening uh oh, yeah. another Metallica song you know master of puppets and I just I'm like I feel like we're doing the same thing all over again. In my mini write-up, I wrote, this is the most sequeliest of sequels that I've seen this year. And of these trend of sequels that are like kind of coming back to try to capture nostalgia, like with um, yeah, like, like you even said, like with the with well, I guess you can't call Breaking Bad a sequel, but it's you know, it's a furthering of the story several years after the story has ended. But but you know what's like a very smart sequel mm-hmm. is like 22 Jump Street, where yes. It, it definitely plays off of the things that you like from 21 Jump Street, mm-hmm. but it's very, very self-aware of that it is a sequel and it pokes fun at the fact that it is a sequel. And I'm not saying this movie had to do that necessarily, but there was enough differentiation that I can take the two on their own merits where uh, with this one, I, I honestly like for me in terms of like the canon of <laughs> my film going experience of my life. I will always cherish the first Zombieland film, but I will not ever consider this to be like essential viewing after watching the first film. Yeah. Uh, and even though I came to the first Zombieland film late, like I said, I caught the appreciation of what stuck with a lot of folks. Um, and I don't know if this is mischaracterizing. It felt like this movie was more of like a like a film bro movie. And granted, I will say the audience that I was at was quite diverse. Um, I just came back from vacation. I saw this in Disney Springs in Orlando, Florida, and I was surprised <laughs> by how many people were at the screening. Um, this movie's going to do a lot of money, apparently. And I can get why there's laughs to be had, um, but there's things that are done in the second act that you think that they're aware that this is very much a sequel, and it's almost kind of meta in what it's doing and the liberties that it's taking. I just don't think it worked like in 22 Jump Street. And maybe it's because there was 10 years gone by and there's been such an evolution of the core actors in this movie's career. It is hard to see Emma Stone put back on this costume. Um, Woody yeah. Harrelson, it's a little bit, you, you, get, you have a little bit more license with him. I tried to think what else has Abigail Breslin really been doing since yeah. And with Jesse Eisenberg, he just made some unique choices. I mean, you know, one of Jesse Eisenberg, I swear to God, looks exactly the same oh, as he oh my, did 10 years ago. I was saying the same thing. I'm like, I got to be honest with you. This is some of the best, like, <laughs> this is some of the best up aging because obviously, yeah, there's been, you know, a big difference in Abigail Bres- Breslin's age. Um, but like Emma Stone doesn't look 
noticeably 10 years older. Um, eh. I mean, well, some things in the eyes. But. Well, here, well what, I, what I'll say in regards to that is this. I personally think physically, Abigail Breslin definitely looks older. I think emotionally, Emma Stone is older. Like, I, I think that she as an actress has outgrown yes. uh, this kind of a role. And she's, you know, proven that with what her career has been since yeah. uh, 2009. And I will say, it, to me, out of the four, even though there was definitely things I didn't enjoy about um, uh, a Little Rock's character, I was just like, I kind of, I, I was kind of hoping that Wichita would kind of stay away at points in the film. Because I, I just didn't know that she was fully invested. And it could just be the way that her character was written. But then again, I had to remind myself, I can't come to this sequel Looking for like this, uh, this very you know, uh, you know, well thought out, these fully developed characters because this film is trying to say something. I think this film is saying nothing. Well, that, that's part of the problem too. Is that the film's uh, the film is a repeat of the theme from the first film about finding a home, and that's another thing that I was like, really, that's the same message like again. Um, and then I thought there was going to be another message uh, in this movie. Uh, actually, I thought it was going to be an anti-gun message. I don't know if you caught any uh, whiff of that, but the very, very end of the movie then kind of takes a bit bit of a backslide onto that (laughs) message. And I was like, okay, so this isn't an anti-gun movie now all of a sudden. So really, we're going to just repeat the same themes of the first film all over again? I mean, in the theme state, it was very, very on the nose right at the end of the film. Um, Right. And uh, it's almost as if like there's more story to tell. I just... Kind of, this film is very much inconsequential, and I'm not going to say that I wasn't entertained. But there's no, I I definitely had a couple of good laughs in this. I'm not going to deny that, Uh, especially you know, like I said, the the parts of this movie that I think really, really work for me are the stuff that's um, completely new. Mm -hmm. And when I say that, I mean like the new additions to the cast. So Zoe Dutch in this movie as Madison is my MVP of this movie, hands down. She's so underrated as as an actress. Oh my God, yes. I think Vampire Academy was the first thing that I saw her in. And I'm like, she's not the lead in that, but there's something magnetic about this woman. And everything that I see her in, like it's in her eyes, it's in just like, she, it sucks that this isn't gonna be the vehicle that propels her. However, she is a standout in this movie. And thank goodness, (laughs) <laughs> that like she does what she does because I will say I've never seen her perform like this before so it was it was kind of refreshing and it seemed there was a bit of a commentary on where those characters left off in 2009 which I think was funny just with the way her character develops well there's two things I'll say in regards to that um, number one there is this movie I saw with her at Tribeca earlier this year called Buffaloed I don't know if this movie is going to get a release in like 2020 or something like that but she has like a lead role in this movie and she is amazing in this um, and I I already knew that she was very very talented before seeing her in this movie but um She's so, so good in this uh, independent film that I saw that I pray to God that more people get a chance to see it because, I mean, she just completely blew me away with with that one. The second thing I'll say is that a lot of what they do with her character in this where she's playing like the ditzy blonde, mm-hmm. um, that kind of a trope feels very 2009 to me. Yep. And there's a lot of jokes and humor in this movie that... I could see myself, yeah, like I could see myself 10 years ago finding it more funny than I do now, but I just feel like, I feel like this movie um, is a movie that literally was made 
like seven years ago and for some reason never came out and now it is coming out and it hasn't evolved actually with the times. Yeah. And, 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 and it's, I think I'm able to see that more because I only saw the first one two months ago. So I'm able to make so many of those connections and it's a little weird. I'm like, okay, like I can, I can get what the point was like, you know, with Zoolander, right? Like it took forever for the sequel to come out and Zoolander two is an abomination compared to the first one. And, but I could get where they would, they, they would have lost things because they're trying to figure out, okay, what was it that made this work so well, right? But that was a, that was a much longer period of time between the first and the sequel. As we're with this, I mean, 10 years is a long time, but, you know, it's a little bit closer. And I just would have thought that the, the, the comedy wouldn't have been so reductive to, like, what my sensibilities were back then. Like, oh, I can definitely see why this would have been funny 10 years ago. Um, and, and I will say there was times where the jokes were kind of getting tired because we kept kind of running into that same thing. Uh, but I will say it was probably, you know, uh, uh, Zoe Deutsch's character that helped kind of pacify some of it, but not all the time. And there were some characters that kind of came in. I was like, oh, that was useless or needless. <laughs> well, you know, Rosario Dawson is kind of saddled with being like a love interest for Woody Harrelson, which is kind of lazy. It's a very cliched. It, like she's she's reduced to this kind of cliched love interest for like the older, you know, co-lead that I'm just like, you're so above this. Right, exactly. Like she's sexy and she has a bit of spunk to her in this role. You know, that's a little bit fun to watch at times. But I agree that our character doesn't really add much. And her reintroduction into the movie in the final act Mm. um, made absolutely zero sense to me considering um, the method of transportation that she arrives in (laughs) and how for some reason that was deemed – unusable mm-hmm. by other characters. I was just like, <laughs> I just was so confused by it. And I, yeah. at a certain point I was like, this movie's just stupid, you know? Uh, <laughs> but another thing along with Zoe Dutch that I found to be amazing in this movie was the, I don't want to call it doppelganger, but just the <laughs> Luke Wilson and Thomas Middleditch uh, scene where they're basically like another version of, Tallahassee and Columbus. Oh my God, it was really, that hysterical? Yeah. It really, really was. And I'm like, and I feel bad I, as an actor. I need to respect my actors, and I just keep saying, "Oh, he's the new Verizon guy." And I, I need to slap my hand. Every nah, time. man, Silicon Valley. I know. I just, ah, man. But he, it, it was uncanny because, like, I didn't. Oh. Think about it. I forgot that they were going to be in this film, and I'm just like, wow. And when he popped up out of nowhere, and I'm like, oh, it's Thomas Middleditch, and then I'm like, oh my God, yes. I'm like, he's doing Jesse. Eisenberg and I'm like no wait a minute he's not doing Jesse Eisenberg Thomas Mildred's acting style is the same as Jesse Eisenberg's (laughs) (laughs) and that is like the clever comedy like thankfully that came in uh, because I was like all right I don't know where we're going now this whole trying to you know like the the film is pretty basic in where it's trying to get the characters to I I can't remember from like the last film how they ended up in DC but they ended up there Um, but where they were trying to go um, it, it I'm glad that this was like, you know, introduced and this kind of helped, you know, kind of rev things, you know, back up, especially at that point, you know, we lost the character. So um, it was good that, oh, all right, now we got something new. Let's see how this develops. And it, it, it does. It, it makes for a fun time in that second act. Yeah, I totally agree with you on that. Um, and then the other new addition to the cast, um, I can't remember the actor's name, but the guy who plays Berkeley. Oh, yeah. Oh, that is Zoe Dutch's boyfriend. In real life? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I watched it with my wife and she's like, tell me, oh, my God, that's Zoe Dutch's boyfriend. I'm like, oh, all right, babe. 
Well, now I now I'm wondering how he got a role in the movie. Um, <laughs> but uh, I I didn't feel like he added anything to the cyber, and that was once again like another kind of cliche hippie weed, you know, kind of a character pacifist type that I was like, ah, uh, and and I just didn't feel like he convincingly played that uh, comedic enough, and I didn't I, honestly I really didn't feel like he added much to the movie, you know, in oh, the end. Oh, that's so absolutely right. I, I don't know, like all of that. Uh, so that's like a bit of a mixed bag. Like I love Thomas Middleditch acting off of Jesse Eisenberg, like how he has the commandments and Jesse Eisenberg <laughs> has the rules and they're like comparing the two. Oh, they were going to town in this film with like really playing up the rules and stuff. And like I was trying to like take little notes. I'm like, I'm not going to go the extra length and take notes in this film. What are you doing, Kobe? I, I like <laughs> that the rules are very, very prominent in this. But what I what I kind of got a little annoyed by this time though was how quickly – the CGI text of the rules uh, came and went on the screen that I almost couldn't read them sometimes because mm-hmm. they, they literally like flash and then they're gone. And I don't feel like they're, they're on the screen long enough for the audience to like have it like register in their mind, like what it even says at times. Yeah, because they're a part of the joke. Yeah, yeah. Like the, so like the timing on that felt a little awkward to me. Uh, there's a couple of really, really funny like side quips and like one liners in this that land uh pretty well overall. Like um <laughs> you murdered him oh, yes. instead of murdering him uh because of how they killed uh Bill Murray. <laughs> Bill Murray. Oh, that man. was really that was really clever. Um there's like one scene, I don't remember the context of it, but there was like this one very, very like sly uh <laughs> line where Jesse Eisenberg says something like, Well, I don't read I don't read variety or anything, but and then, <laughs> oh yeah, that's right. Because they're trying to figure out how did well, how did you hear about that? I, I don't read. Yeah, I was I was curious to see like how you know all the type of news and stuff and the way that things have evolved in between the ten year gap and there hasn't been any society in ten years. Like what they can kind of point to. And, and I will say that that was a little bit clever gesturing every now and then to kind of put that in there because society hasn't. They've just been kind of stuck with where things were in two thousand nine. I wish they almost would have played that up a little bit more. Um, like I know, like there was actually the introduction of the Walking Dead comic that was on screen in the movie this time, so that was pretty cool. Those little hints and nods. And then, like you know, another thing uh, that that's kind of a big focal point about this movie, because once again, like the story is kind of honestly, like the stakes in the story are not high. I remember watching the first film, and I do remember that final sequence at the end of the film. I, I remember thinking to myself you know what, there's a good chance that one of these characters might actually get bitten yeah, and we might have like an emotional ending or something like that, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, but we didn't have that happen. And here I was like, well, maybe, you know, Woody Harrelson or something like something might happen, you know? Yeah, I, I thought there's a couple of close calls. Yeah, no, there definitely were. But, but like every time, uh, you know, even with one particular character where you think that there's like a mercy kill at one point or a Murray, mm-hmm. uh, whatever you want to call it. <laughs> It, it, it turns out to be a hoax and it's like I just I just didn't ever feel like the sense of like any real stakes or danger in this film and the storyline is just so kind of lame it's basically the girls leave the guys and Tallahassee is treating Little Rock like a surrogate daughter and she feels like he's overwhelming and um Wichita feels that Columbus is overwhelming because he wants to get married and she's not ready for that. And then uh, Little Rock ends up getting separated from Wichita because she runs off with the hippie guy. And I'm just like, 
Really? 10 years later and this is like the story you guys kind of come back with, you know? I would have loved like to see if there was like, okay, well, what's next? I mean, granted, I, I was cool with the evolution of the zombies, you know? I was cool with it too, but I felt like it was underutilized. Like yes. they spend all this time introducing these cool new zombies and I'm like, great, can't wait to see them. And mm -hmm. I feel like they're barely in the movie. Yeah, like I was hoping for more of the uh, the ninja zombie. Yeah, I wanted to see more of that. Like I was hoping, I was hoping for like maybe there was gonna be a zombie that like develops like this intellect and is gonna lead the full zombie rebellion, like a zombie boss or something like that. <laughs> Could you imagine if like there was like a a great like a truly truly great surprising cameo of some sort of a zombie like oh leader that was leading all of the zombies, and it was like some actor in like crazy amount of makeup and shit? Oh my god, that would be amazing. It, I, and I think everything was painted. They're like one of the zombie films that I think is really underrated. And I had fun with it. And mainly, I think it's because of uh, Lily, uh, Lily James. I'm not Lily James, excuse me, uh, but um, was uh, Pride, Prejudice and Zombies. And I'm like, man, they, at the end of the film, they had that zombie uprising with a kind of half zombie. And I would have loved like this world is it's a playground to be able to just do whatever you want. So just kind of go for it. And they took a much kind of safer route and not as you know compelling route. Um but maybe there's a trilogy in the works that they just say they'll try to amp up up the ante. Yeah, I don't know. We'll see. <laughs> in the end, I, I I had fun with this and I did enjoy seeing these characters back on screen. Um, my ultimate summary, though, is that this film just doesn't have the same bite that the first film did. Um, it doesn't feel as fresh. Um, it, it definitely feels like a repeat. And for some people, that's going to work. Mm -hmm. And that's totally okay. I can understand why there are some people who are like, you know what? I don't want a ton of emotional investment. I don't want to have to like have my brain on much during the movie <laughs> for an hour and a half or whatever it is. And I just want to go to the theater and have some fun. And you know what? If you like the first film... And you're going in with those expectations into this one, I think you'll be okay. Because in the end, I think there are some good laughs to be had. Um, I, I, I just, I, you know, instead of it being like more of the same, I just wish it inspired to be something more. Yeah. Or, or like even with all the zombie flicks that have happened since the first, like, Let's 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 do some type of like commentary on that or like kind of use that to spoof off of. Oh, there's even a uh, there's even a moment in the movie where they criticize The Walking Dead, which I found pretty funny <laughs> at one point. <laughs> oh, man, I, I, I fell off The Walking Dead hard. I feel bad. Oh, God. Yeah, I, I mm -mm, nope. Yeah. I remember I watched uh, the season premiere. I think it was of season. I want to get this right. I think it was season six mm -hmm. just to see who Negan killed uh, with the uh, with the with the bat. And uh, I, I stopped watching after that. Because I remember that me. was a big, like, that was a big culture moment. It was a Game of Thrones level moment to see what was going to happen. And I, I saw somebody on Twitter say, you know, what happened Walking Dead? Was it like an issue of like bad acting, bad writing? It is probably the worst, the most horribly paced show I could ever have imagined. And I just couldn't keep up. There's just no way. Well, my, my ever big problem with Walking Dead is that, um, and I'm, I'm sorry, we're going off on a tangent here, <laughs> but I don't think anyone's ever heard me say this about Walking Dead before, so I'll say it now. My biggest issue with The Walking Dead was that um, it was a story, I prefer when I watch a television, uh, television show that the story has a beginning, a middle, and an end. And Walking Dead for me is a show that is not working towards an ending. They're just doing the same shit over and over and over and over again and just dragging the show out for as long as they possibly can, as long as there's money to be made and there's ratings. And you know what? At a certain point, 
my emotional investment just stops because there's just no payoff yeah. at a certain point. There's no payoff. Yeah. So I, I need, when I watch any kind of a story, I need it to be a beginning, a middle, and an end. That's what made Lost a little frustrating yeah. at first. And then they, you know, obviously worked their way towards an ending and it wasn't perfect. But, you know, that's like some, sometimes a risk you run with television as well. You'll start watching, you'll get emotionally invested, and then boom, it gets like canceled. And you're like, God damn it, like I invested all this like time and emotion and now I'm never going to get the payoff, you know? Yeah. So it's always a gamble with television, but Walking Dead is just one of those where first couple of seasons, totally into it. And then I started to realize that they were just doing the same stuff in terms of meeting the same types of characters, like a new yeah. group, a new stronghold, a new villain. And it was just always the same repeated themes over and over and over again. I just was like, you know what? I, I've gotten everything that I think the show has ever wanted to tell me because it like doesn't have anything new to tell me. Zombieland <laughs> Double Tap. <laughs> Zombieland Double Tap sounds yep. awful lot like Walking Dead well, seasons four. To summarize eight. it, then I'm all tapped out. <laughs> <laughs> Look at that. <laughs> that's good. Yeah, no, that's that, – yeah, yeah, I'm all tapped out. That's my final word. Yeah. Uh, okay, so with that said um, – Final thoughts on Zombieland Double Tap? I mean, you know, like like I mentioned, it's the most sequely a sequel. Um, it trots out a lot of the same cliches. It's a bit reductive. Doesn't really, you know, evolve its comedy. Um, but if you're coming for anything more than that, I think the shame is on you. Um, so with mild expectations, this is it's a movie. It's an enjoyable movie. Um, I'm struggling on if that's a recommendation though. And I'm still, I've still been struggling since I watched it two days ago. You know, I, I was at Sundance earlier this year and I saw a, a zombie film that actually just premiered on Hulu. So I highly recommend it. Uh, you check Little this Monsters? out. Yep, Little Monsters. And I remember going up to the director of that film after it was over and I remember saying uh, to, the, to the director, um, you have made a zombie comedy that will stand alongside Shaun of the Dead and Zombieland as like one of the most enjoyable, purely entertaining films in this genre. And I would just say, you know, in terms of what you're saying, in terms of a recommendation, um, if you want kind of more of the feel that the first Zombieland and Shaun of the Dead do give to you in terms of zombie uh, comedy, then I would recommend Little Monsters over uh, Zombieland Double Tap. Mm. There it goes. I will say I appreciated a lot of the, uh, the the amount of practical effects um, in this film. See, I didn't get that sense because I felt no. like so much of it was CGI blood, and I like it. Like, what this movie had a lot of vomiting, I guess. Well, yeah, I don't know how they do that. I I I, I could not perform with whatever they <laughs> they did. It was so much. But like, yeah, even that I wasn't really impressed by it because in the end, this isn't really like a horror, horror, horror like movie yeah. uh, in the same way something like, you know, 28 Days Later is or Night of the Living Dead, which, by the way, as, as far as like, you know, serious zombie films are concerned, those two were like top tier for me. Yeah, I I think I'm at a four out of ten. I'm, I'm going to be a little bit more generous and I put it at a five. Okay. Because I, I feel that there is some things to be able to take away and enjoy if you're a fan of the first. And and I think if you're a fan, you're probably going to find enough reasons to defend the recommendation for this film. Yeah, no, I I, I totally understand that. I, and like I said, I think there's going to be a lot of people also that are going to, you know, probably listening to this now say, <laughs> oh, you guys are being way too hard on it. It's fine, you know, and like, uh, okay, you know, that's, that's cool. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 
you know? <laughs> yep, there you go. You better nut up or shut up, you know? <laughs> Wait, what was the – he said, no, nah, I think we need a new catchphrase. What did he say? Uh, you better – Oh, oh my God! I don't remember. I like didn't write. I didn't write that one down. Yeah, something stick to dick. It's like it doesn't have to rhyme. Oh God! <laughs> <laughs> it was. So, it was. Like that was ridiculous. Like, that. like okay, all right. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm telling you, some of the jokes in this definitely were pretty funny. Not yeah. all of them landed at times. Like I know there were some moments for sure where I could tell, like the audience wanted us to. Uh, the they wanted the audience to laugh, and I, I just couldn't do it. You know. Yeah, and by the way, it is it is. Let's kick some dick. That's what let's it is. kick some dick. Yeah, yeah. There we go. Post credit scene. Ah, uh, yeah, yeah. Post credit scene. Um, I liked it at first because I just I, I was like, oh, they did it, you know, <laughs> and I was I was happy that it was there. Mm-hmm. Um, but then it went on too long. Yep. And I was like, the effect of this is now not funny anymore for me, and uh yeah, the, like the initial shock value of it again was like, oh, yes, excellent. Oh, yeah. And then it just kind of went on and on and on and on. And I just was like, OK, like when is the movie ending already? You know, <laughs> no, I felt the exact same way. Um, but, hey, you know, shout out to Grace Randolph, right? <laughs> um, and then, yeah, Garfield three, you know. Oh, that was <laughs> amazing. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, man. Zombieland 2. All right. Kobe, thank you so much for being here, uh, for helping out uh, this week here on the show, providing your thoughts for Zombieland Double Tap. Tell everyone that's listening right now where they can find you on the internet. Yeah, man. Anytime. You can find your boy Kobe Mac on Twitter and Instagram at Kobe Tomi. My website is ColbyTomi.com. And of course, you can listen to the podcast, Kobe Tomi Podcast. So that way, when they ask you where you heard it from, you tell them Kobe told me. And you can find me in Next Best Picture. I don't know uh, what movie is going to use the T-800 better, Zombieland <laughs> Double Tap or Terminator Dark Fate. But uh, we'll have another podcast review of that, I'm sure, in a few days' time. Uh, but thank you so much for listening to our review of Zombieland Double Tap here on the Next Best Picture podcast. You can subscribe to us on iTunes, SoundCloud, Google Play, Stitcher, TuneIn, Player FM, Acast, CastBox, and also on Spotify. Be sure to leave us a review on Apple Podcasts and let us know what you think of the show. We really appreciate your feedback there. Rate us five stars. And also, too, your support is greatly appreciated. At Patreon, you can subscribe for $1 minimum a month, and you will get some exclusive uh, podcast content from us, including uh, an upcoming review of a horror masterpiece, which will be voted on by the NBP film community, revealed this weekend, actually. And we will be reviewing that in time for Halloween. So we're very much looking forward to that. Thank you so much for listening as always. And we shall see you all next time.